Doug Tyrrell History and Comment is available on iTunes. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Tyrrell. This is History and Comment for Monday, the 20th day of March, 2023. At 524 this afternoon, Eastern Daylight Time, the sun will cross the equator, marking the beginning of spring. I guess we cannot complain about the past winter. It was rather mild, at least here in the lower Midwest. The Middle Ages were a time when most of the population was illiterate and education was withheld as a matter of policy. Europe was being ravaged by the plague and folks were looking for a reason, mostly out of self-preservation. Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars align in 1345, and some think this celestial event might be to blame. Maybe at the time, that made more sense than the poor living conditions and more rats than people. The Dutch East India Company is established in 1602, considered the first company to openly sell and trade stock, the first multinational company. They were formed to bring goods from the Far East to Europe. For the first two decades, they will enjoy a monopoly. Beyond their size, they enjoyed power on the high seas, akin to a sovereign country. Political winds have always been treacherous sailing. Sir Walter Raleigh, responsible for early colonies here in America and other explorations, seemed to have been more skilled sailor on the oceans than politics. He is released from 13 years imprisonment in 1616, but the winds will not be fair for long. 1760, Boston has its great fire destroying 349 buildings. Actually, this was the eighth major fire in the colonial city and there will be another in 1772. 1800, a scientific paper is presented to the Royal Society of London on the discovery of the electric battery. Electrochemical batteries are really quite simple. Two conductive plates with a chemical electrolyte. Typically, there is a chemical change between the charged and the discharged state. Harriet Beecher Stowe's novel, Uncle Tom's Cabin, is published as a 40-week serial in the national era an abolitionist periodical. The series still had a couple more episodes when the first book compilation was issued on this day in 1852. It sold 3,000 copies the first day. Uncle Tom was showing us the hero in the narrative and how he overcame hardship by persistence and a strong Christian faith. Hardly the slur the term has come to mean. The novel had a profound effect on the American mindset about slavery, especially in the North. The Beecher and Stowe families were active in the abolition movement. The Republican Party is organized in Ripon, Wisconsin in 1854. It's hard to equate earlier parties with the current positions. This is the last major shift we have seen. The Republican Party was formed by Northern Whigs expressly to work against future expansion of slavery into the Western territories. It will not be until the Civil War they will begin pushing to abolish the institution in the South. Many Northerners were the mindset to let the sleeping dog lie, but most did not want to see it expanded. The South wanted to expand it and ensure future states would align with them and hold power in Washington. Their fear was that the abolitionists would gain a majority in Congress and begin passing laws to restrict or protect slaves. And the prospect was real. The largest tragedy has been the false narrative that the plight of blacks is due to the repressive Republicans. The loyalty of the black voting bloc to the Democrats defies logic. The whole affair is not far removed from the idea that Uncle Tom is today a slur. 
The simple fact is, no minority population in any setting is going to gain favor fighting battles they cannot win. Stock market psychologist Alexander Elder is noted for saying, you cannot buck the trend. In society, the majority is the trend. It would be more successful if someone would point out to any minority group, go with the trend and make your fortune there. The Boston Public Library opens in Boston in 1854. It's the first large, free, city-operated library in the United States. Actor Edgar Buchanan is born in 1903, the son of a physician. He was trained and for a while practiced dentistry. Acting began more as a hobby at the non-professional Pasadena Playhouse. He's best remembered for playing Uncle Joe Carson, mostly on the television series Petticoat Junction. That series crossed over to Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies. President Wilson meets with his cabinet, and they agree that the U.S. entering World War I is inevitable. This is almost three years after Europe had begun fighting. The U.S. tried quite hard to stay out of Europe's affairs, but Germany had begun a practice of attacking American merchant ships on the high seas. We were not completely neutral. Those ships were largely supplying Britain. Fred Rogers was born in 1928, noted for his career as a host of children's programs and especially Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He did not serve in the military despite some rumors. For one, his age fell between World War II and Korea. Harlan Sanders takes over operating a Shell gas station along US-25 near North Corbin, Kentucky in 1930. As much as we laud the grandfatherly image of Sanders in his later years, he was something of a character who had trouble finding success. This service station was another in a long list of enterprises to provide for his family. Within a few months, he will begin serving meals in the small storeroom. Four years later, he will take over a different brand across the road, and there will begin selling fried chicken. Some sources mark today as the beginning of the Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise. That would be a stretch. Some in the public appear one way, while in fact are another. Usually this is appearing more grand than they are in fact. One exception to the rule is one Jerry Hubbard. Music seemed to be a single goal from an early age, but his persona was more of an everyday good old boy. Beneath that cover was a highly talented songwriter, singer, and guitarist who was on par with Chet Atkins and other top-shelf pickers. Hubbard was born on this day in 1937. You will know him as Jerry Reed. General Douglas MacArthur makes his famous 1942 speech, I Shall Return. Singer, songwriter, member of the Grand Ole Opry, and music historian Douglas Green is 77. He's made a four-decade career specializing in old-time cowboy music as lead singer of the somewhat serious and also comic group Riders in the Sky. But don't write him off. He has a master's degree in literature. The Senate ratifies a treaty between the U.S. and Japan in 1952. This established the end of U.S. occupation and kept military bases on the island. The news is filled today with a story of President Trump versus the New York DA. No matter what you think of Mr. Trump, his presidency, or his prospects for the next election, this circus should concern you. These charges have died and been resuscitated about four times in the past years. This local DA, not state or federal, the higher levels have passed on this. 
Yet this political hack at the local level is trying to make what is not a case into a felony. At the same time, this same prosecutor has made a practice of dropping serious civil cases in their jurisdiction to misdemeanors. This is purely political. Some sources are reporting that the DA's election was funded by George Soros. Why is that old geezer so interested in the publicity of charging Mr. Trump? No one believes there would be a conviction. It is strictly political. At best, the case is a misdemeanor charge. Even that point is highly debatable. I've railed about the escapades of President Clinton. The media basically laughed at the Lewinsky affair, and it was that in all meanings of the word. There was much more material to question the Clintons that was quickly dismissed. Now we are making a world spectacle of charging a former president with what amounts to a parking ticket. Meanwhile, we have Russia, China, and Iran aligning in a new axis of evil, all with their sights on the United States. That's History and Comment for the 20th day of March. I'm Doug Terrell. Now go do something worth remembering.